Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Johnny Quirk back once again here to support your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, cool. So today I'm delighted to say that we have Jonas from Orphe Active on the line. Jonas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for having me. No problem at all, man. And uh, in your own words, tell us what your business is and what it is that it does. So in the simplest terms, Orphe Active is essentially a matchmaker between the organizers of sport and participants. So if you're somebody that's looking to join any sporting activity around you, you go to the app, you see what's going on around you, check details and easily join. Uh, if you're an organizer of the sport, you easily create recurring activities uh, and you can manage your attendance, take payments, uh, you have group chats and push notifications for communications and all that basically admin stuff to take care of your, your sessions. Sounds great. And um, in essence, who are your customers? Um, so as you can tell, like we've got two sides. We've got the supply and the demand uh, yeah. as a normal marketplace would do. So um, we're mostly focused on, on uh, grassroots organizers for supply. Uh, so for somebody that either is a team and plays in an in a amateur league uh, and wants to recruit players, wants to manage everything, um, somebody that just wants to do a five-a-side every Saturday with their mates um, and kind of that kind of audience and the participants then range kind of 16 to 50 uh 60 depending on what the the session is just anybody really that wants to uh get active um and and, and maybe find new ways of getting active yeah, yeah. um also immigrants is a big one or somebody that uh moved to a new city or a new country um you know because they don't know anybody they don't know what's going on around them they want to be part yeah. of a community and again this is where where we come in as well so i guess there's that really important social side to it like you said somebody new in town where maybe in the past it'd be like see you can grab a few people for a few beers it could be let's go and play basketball or something on orphy um in terms of the product you sell uh what's the business model is it subscription is it one-off payments you know what, tell me more about the kind of business model and uh, and obviously how you make money so business model uh, at the moment is pretty much straightforward. Um, everything is free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not I the like best free. Business model. Free works <laughs> for me. Not the best business model. Um, we're lucky enough to have funding uh, yeah. for us to, to support ourselves in the beginning. I think it's quite, it's quite normal for early stage tech startups to not be really profitable in the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, however, the very first place where we are going to start monetizing is transaction fees. Uh, yeah. However, those transaction fees, uh, there are no transaction fees at the moment. And when they will come out uh, later this year, they will be the lowest in the market. And if there's somebody that does it lower, we'll match that. Yeah. Um, later on, we're going to go into a subscription service where we provide additional features, individual branding for each team, uh, essentially allowing teams to have a, an app within an app, essentially, uh, which they would pay a subscription for as well. Um, and obviously, once you get the attention, once you get a user base, there's different ways of monetizing that as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's more of a long-term game. Yeah, sounds really good. And um, you kind of touched on it before, but you know, what actually gave you the idea to create this business? Um, you know, like what kind of problem is it that you're solving? You know, what was where, where was that light bulb moment came from? Um, it completely came from a personal experience. Uh, I'm from Lithuania, so I'm I'm an immigrant in this country. Um, my sport is basketball and basketball is just not that popular in the UK, uh, especially when I came in. God, I don't even know how many years, was that, eight, <laughs> years eight, eight, nine years ago, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I came in, I didn't know anybody. Uh, and then kind of the bas basketball as a sport was always the my vehicle of getting to know new people and, get, you know, getting, you know, becoming part of a community. And I just couldn't find where to play basketball and who to play basketball with. Yeah. Um, and I was desperately searching for something that will give me that. Yeah. Um, and at that time, there, just, just, there was nothing. Um, I, I eventually found a, a, a basketball group 
through Gumtree. Yeah. Uh, and I just felt that was wrong on so many levels. Uh, so, User uh, experience so, not being too good, I imagine, you know, in terms of Gumtree, yeah, and, something and, so broad. You know, exactly. And, and you know, it, it, it said it's a basketball scrimmage. It could have been anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Code words or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it felt, you know, it turned out all right. Um, so, and obviously, once I got into that uh, basketball group, I saw the other side. I saw how tedious was it for the organizer to manage everything every single week? At that time, it was emails. Yep. Um, now it's quote unquote getting better through WhatsApp groups, but it's actually not getting better. Uh, that's even more noisy. Um, so essentially, I realized that I've got, you know, I'm a UI UX designer. So I've got kind of half of that covered already. So I might yeah, as yeah. well do something myself. Uh, and then it was just a case of supporting myself with other people that are better at these things that I'm not. Yeah, that's um, cool. And that's how it was born. Do you know what? I think that's really cool. I think, you know, when you can try and solve a problem which you're trying to face yourself, it's a much stronger business proposition than you just picking an idea from a book and going, do you know what? I'm going to copy this or I'm going to go and do it. I think there's a couple of drivers there. You said, you know, being an immigrant into the country, seeing there's a some kind of demand for it, but maybe the experience isn't that great. But also seeing there's a brilliant business opportunity, I guess it gives you that fire in the belly to, to really commit to that as well. Um. Obviously, you know, on, on the Go Solo show, we uh, interview founders, we interview solopreneurs, small business owners. You mentioned, obviously, you have a team. I know that you are a sole founder, um, but, you know, how big is the team right now? How big is Orphe? The team is pretty small. Um, there's there's five of us plus an intern. Um, yeah. So I can say six, uh, but the intern does uh, one day a week. So it's, it's more like us helping him than, <laughs> than the other way around. Um but it's, you know, uh, at this point, it's, I guess, enough because we are um, just getting into the market. We're just trying to, to see, you know, what is the best approach for us uh, and, you know, making sure that we build what people actually want, not what we think they want. Yeah. Um, and once, obviously, we get the traction, um, then we'll just decide which areas do we need support uh, yeah. in the most. When you've uh, raised investment, obviously, I know you say that, don't worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot in terms of numbers or anything like that right now. Um, but in terms of that investment, what was the driver behind you saying, I want to, you know, do you know, do I need investment? Uh, I would like investment, you know, was it solely the fact that you didn't think you could bring this idea to market without investment to invest in the team? Or was it more that you could get there quicker? I'm interested to know the motivation before, you know, taking on investment for the business. Because I tried without investment and it didn't work. Okay. Um, uh, I tried bootstrapping first. And um, basically, I was, I was working in a nine-to-five and this was my side hustle. Yeah. Uh, so majority of my salary would go to developers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, my salary wasn't that high. Um, I took out a bit of a loan as well. Um, but still, developers are not, not cheap. And I, one of my biggest mistakes in the first uh, time in a startup was I didn't have a technical co-founder. So I actually yes. had to pay uh, for the developers. Um, so I just realized that, that after some time, I didn't get to where I wanted to get quickly enough. Yeah. I didn't get the quality that I wanted because you do get what you pay for. Mm. Um, so it was just a, 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 a decision that I didn't necessarily maybe want to, to, to make in the very beginning. But I just realized that that would be the best thing for this type of product. Um, and I remember the, you know, when we did agree uh, on, on the investment, the first thing I did was hire the lead developer, uh, yeah. who is a shareholder as well. So it's, um, it, and it's definitely been a, a different game uh, after that. Yeah, I don't think there's one size fits all in terms of investment. I think for some people as solopreneurs or small business owners, you know, they can go it alone. Like you said, they can you know bring it to market. I like what you've just said about, you know, you did test it out as a side hustle, as a side project first, see if you could bring this. But I think from chatting with you before, you know, your ambitions to make this a scalable, you know, global product to make it something that's more kind of tech focused um, you know, probably that investment is a wise decision. And like you said, if you're putting all of your <laughs> earnings for one job to actually have your eyes to do two things at once, it's very difficult, I think, to compartmentalize yourself into, into focusing on one thing. Was that your experience running as a side hustle? Um, well, the thing is that, you know, we, 
we did test the market. Um, yeah. We did realize that that's something not obviously not just basketball needed, not, not just I needed. A lot of different sports needed it. A lot of different people needed it. And so, you know, there's a big misconception today that I see is that I won't start a business unless I get funding first, which yeah. is not what I'm saying. You know, when I got the funding, I yeah. came in with a product, which was not great, but yeah. I was like, this is the business model. This is what I could do without your money. Look at what we could do with the money, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was already some groundwork done, uh, you know, and call it MVP, um, yeah. just a very long one. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, you know, I would, I would always start with a side hustle, especially in today's world. Like I'm talking about five years ago when this all started, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, in today's world, with the no-code movement and with the um, you know ability to create products without much knowledge of code, yeah. uh, I'd probably again start with bootstrapping, test out the market, see what I can do, uh, see what the reaction is, and only then decide whether investment is the right move. Do you know what, Jonas? I'm going to steal some of those sound bites that you've just said because you know, actually, like you said, being able to kind of go into the market from a side hustle to be able to kind of figure quite a bit of it out before you have to take investment they're all such strong things really you know that anybody can start with an idea even doing that research and seeing what's out there i think is so important and having a plan you know in my past life obviously i've been coaching and supporting startup founders myself and when we had an investor in they were always much more impressed when a founder had managed to get a certain you know, length of, uh, you know, along the road before actually having to take that investment. So uh, like you said, I, I think that's a really smart way to do it and validate the idea or at least kind of have quite a few assumptions that you've made about the market as well. Yeah, the mentality was always for me, which is like, if you want to sum up this in, two, in a couple of words, yeah. you know, the, the priority has to be to find a customer first, not to find the funding first. And that's, yeah. it. that's, that's all that it comes down to. Amazing. Sounds good to me. And in terms of your background, again, you touched on this before. So you're from Lithuania. You've obviously, you know, been here for quite a few many years now. Do you come from an entrepreneurial background? You know, are your family and friends entrepreneurial? You know, what gave you the entrepreneurial bug to say, look, I'm going to go out there and, and create my own business? Not entrepreneurial at all. Yeah. Um, never thought I'm going to have a business. Um and as you could tell, it didn't, I didn't start thinking I'm going to build a business. I started to try to solve my own problem. It was a very egotistical <laughs> start to it. I can't find anything, probably somebody else as well. I might as well build something. I'm, as a designer, um, we're builders, we're creators. Um, yeah. I just wanted to make cool shit. That's it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the main reasons, again, the first time we failed at, the, at it was I didn't have the business mindset. Hmm. I was focused on building the, the most cool and awesome product out there, yep. not the money side of it, not the business plan side of it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I got into entrepreneurship. I, I, you know, as you said, I caught the bug along the way. Yeah. Um, and only kind of now, after a couple of years, I realized that now I just couldn't come back. I don't think I could come back. Maybe I could come back, maybe working for somebody if I'm, a fifth, sixth person in a in a company where which vision I really believe in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can really contribute. But um, I tried a proper office job, um, a nine to five job once, and and it just it just didn't feel right. I was always working on something on the side, but I just didn't think that's entrepreneurial. I didn't even know what that word meant. Yeah. Um, so it's only recently that I realized, oh, maybe there is something. And if I start reflecting back in Lithuania, you know, it's, you're always trying to kind of make money somehow. Like, you mm. know, I, I, you know, it was only my mother that, you know, uh, was uh, raising us. Uh, so she had a couple of jobs and I always felt kind of guilty asking for money or anything like that. I felt like I need to bring in more money. Yeah. So I, I just tried to found, find ways to flip stuff. I remember I would buy used phones and then sell them a bit of higher and then you know buy used clothes and do that but again at that time it was just i want to make extra cash so i can buy something not i'm doing business right that just yeah. wasn't a thing um so maybe there is something in there but it it, <laughs> it it definitely didn't come like supernatural i wasn't having lemonade stands and 
you know, <laughs> doing all these things. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to make cool stuff. Yeah, and that sounds great. I guess from a from a UX point of view as well, you know, it's uh, like you said, as a designer, it's so important as well as to, to kind of get that out. And I think I just want to say as well, I think there's two points again I want to hit on there is the first thing is learning from your experience because no matter what businesses you've had in the past or side hustles or whatever, it's for you know it's very important to learn from those. But a bit like what you just said about you just want to make cool shit. That's that, that's the trouble thing. I had the same issue. I ran a startup and you know bootstrap to twenty five thousand app downloads. Felt like I was making a lot of traction, but the business model just wasn't sound before I started off. In terms of people were using it, but I haven't got the business model figured out. And I think the business model is so important to kind of go in there and look at that from day one. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to get paid. You've got to get that balance between experience and also obviously making money as well. Yeah, hundred percent, and 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 that's why when we just started this conversation, I, I did hit on the fact that you need to surround yourself with people that are better at you at the things that you're really bad at. Yeah. Um, so, for example, you know, I'm not great at numbers, right? I'm not good at analytics. I yeah. do like the summarized. Here's the whole overview, maybe like in a colorful chart type of thing, right? Yeah. So I have people in my team that are really good and love Excel sheets, right? Yeah. yeah. And so every single month. I get a, like a really nice rundown of, right, this is where we are. So I can work on the big vision and make the decisions that really help us. Whereas before, if I were to do this completely alone, that would definitely be a gap. While it's yep. still obviously something you can learn, you know, I'm always more uh, focused on double down on your, on your strength. Yeah, definitely. And are you, obviously, I think it's always important to have a base level amount of expertise you know there's no point in say your team presenting you with figures and stuff and you're just like great looks like you've got it covered guys <laughs> you know like you know just keep doing that how are you educating yourself in some of these areas you know like again we'll, we'll talk later on about some of your favorite books and resources and stuff but you know just to give yourself a base level in these understandings do you read a lot of books do you kind of like um, you know like do online courses i'm just interested to know especially the finance i think it's very important to have that kind of be on track of your you know incomings and outgoings your cash flow forecasts your your business plan kind of projections you know like how are you kind of finding out you know like to to, to plug gaps in your knowledge um yeah for the especially in the past couple of years uh my big focus was going away from working in the business and working on the business mm. um whereas before like it was really blurred for me right i was just deep in it um you know it's a tech product. So UI UX is very important for me. You know, user feedback is very important for me. You know, it was all about the product, 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 but kind of the business side, again, took a bit of a step back. Yeah. Um, so yes, you know, a lot of books, a lot of podcasts, um, webinars, you know, yeah. talking to people that are very business minded and very smart in that, you know, trying to steal 30 minutes from them on a zoom call on a coffee <laughs> chat or whatever it may be. Um, you know, and just learning from them. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, because I'm not, um, maybe I'm not like the, a great reader. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, I'm a lot more, I guess, visual. Mm. Um, but again, in today's world, there are people that are great educators that will digest that information and give it to you. Right. Yeah. Um, so once you get into it, um, I really started educating myself on everything, starting, you know, from, from finances to HR, to getting funding, you know, to, to planning everything around, you know, that otherwise, you know, I would not know or even want to know. Um, what yeah. thing that entrepreneurship teaches you is a bit of everything, <laughs> you know, it and does. essentially like this, there's no other way because, because like you are the, the main guy you are at the end of it right so you need to yeah. understand as you said if somebody brings me numbers i need to know at least a high level to understand how is this benefiting or not benefiting our business to go forward yeah i think just being able to wear many hats and actually you know know that you don't have to be a master of everything but having that you know knowledge is, is so it's so important and also probably identifying the areas you need to improve on as well over time i mean you know it, usually running a startup unless you run out of cash or usually running, you know, any kind of business, you definitely need to make sure that you realize it's a marathon and not a sprint, you know, 
building up, you know, almost thinking your knowledge is V1, V2, you know, the version one, version two of your knowledge, and then kind of hopefully build and iterate on that over time. But like you said, hopefully the plan is the business sails off into the sunset and your team grows over time when you have more support as, as well. Um, we've kind of covered some of the stuff I was going to discuss in terms of what your motivations were to become a, like a solo founder, a solopreneur. But I'm just interested to know, like, in terms of this kind of COVID world that we're in, um, you know, like we are hopefully coming out of COVID at some point soon. Uh, if anybody's listening to this in 2025 and we're still all in like lockdown 15, I apologize. I, uh, you know, I wasn't the uh, forbearer of bad news. But I'm just interested to know, like, how, what was your initial reaction to kind of COVID? And, you know, how, you know, how, what was your emotions that came up? And how, how potentially have you pivoted and, and experienced COVID? Tell me all about it. Um, so it was a bit of a shock. I'm not going to lie, because I underestimated the impact that it will have on the world. Mm. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, it's going on. You know, you heard something in China, there was a bit of in America, da, 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 but you kind of really, you know, and you're really focused on your thing. Um, there was this naivete that it's not going to touch you. Um, and all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, it went from, from, from 100 to a zero, uh, where we, we launched our product in January 2020. <laughs> yeah. Our product is all about getting people together to be active, right? Yeah. So the first few months, brilliant you know really nice traction control traction launched in manchester got some really good feedback we were really excited about the year and in march basically within a week we went from having hundreds of sessions to zero right and we were remember we were sitting there it's just like right what now and that's what you can do what what now there's no there's no reason to stress out there's no reason yeah. to panic you need to find solutions yeah um and that's what we did. You know, we had, you know, a lot of conversations as to what our future looks like. What do we need to do? What the priorities are? How do we obviously amend everything to working from home for a bit and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, we made the decision that we needed to make. Yeah. Um, we somewhat pivoted, but not really. Um, our priorities definitely changed for the year. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we stuck with it um, at, and then, you know, what the years show that it's a bit of a blessing in disguise because people will want to go more digital. Uh, people will realize that uh, that's the way to go. Uh, people will go cashless. People understand the significance of being active and healthy. Mm. And again, this is where we come in to, to help people, you know, do that. Um, so again, you know, you do what you can do, you, you know, <laughs> control what you can control. Yeah. Um, and just make making, you know, we made sure that uh, we're ready for everything comes back. Um, and already this year, whenever that time is, we know we're ready. Uh, yeah. We have definitely an increased interest because we're, um, you know, when it comes to timing, I think, you know, as I said, this is a bit of a blessing in disguise. So it's what you make of it. Yeah, I mean, I really like those points you just picked out in terms of those trends that are happening. Like you said, people having to get more active, digital payments. This is a lot of the problems you're solving, you know, in a, a microcosm there in terms of your business. I guess as well, there'll be this pent up demand when finally people can get together. You know, again, we hate to use the word opportunities here in terms of COVID. You know, unfortunately, lots of people have, you know, have died and, and the likes obviously across the world. But I guess as you move through to the end of this COVID period, that again becomes almost like maybe the marketing messages. Now it's finally time to get out there. You know, and it's finally time to meet up and create these new social groups and, and go out there and live life. Because I think there is all this demand, whether that's demand for spending money, to spending time with friends, meeting new friends. Everything has been put on hold probably for 18 months, really. So it's going to be really interesting. And like you said, and don't I guess, get me wrong, like we did make decisions to pivot a bit, you know, because yeah. you know, we wanted to stay true to our mission to get more people active and healthy. So, you yeah. know, we did introduce online workouts. You know, we created exclusive content with our partners to provide workouts that it can do at home, which yeah. is accessible on the website, on the app, as in video form that is, yeah. you know, exclusive to just that. Um, so there are ways that we're still doing it. Um, but I think the biggest decision I remember was, do we go fully um, towards the essentially online video route or do yeah. we stick to getting people together in real life and doing that? Um, and yeah, that we, we decided the last thing. Again, I wouldn't say this, this is playing devil's advocate, but do you actually think you've uncovered a 
solution there in terms of the video side to it as well. Do you think video will stay a part of your product like long term? Or do you actually think that obviously, you, you know, you want to be laser focused on that kind of offline experience? Well, what's your thoughts? Um, I'm in constant conversation with organizers, uh, especially the ones that try to pivot and, 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 and you know, make sure that they have, do something throughout COVID. Yeah. Um, main consensus is um, that they want to come back fully to doing physical activities. Yeah. Um, as much as video is great, it's not the same as face-to-face. -face. It's not the mm. same vibe. It's not the same emotion. You know, you, you need that energy. And yeah. it's hard to transfer that over video. However, what we have seen is probably going to be a bit of a mix and match. Um, where, for example, you have a Tuesday training session. On a Thursday, you have a game. But then on a Saturday, you have a Zoom quiz. Yeah. You know, and that's a, like a nice and mix and match. They still kind of keep in contact with your team and everything yeah. like that. Um, However, we did see that there's a bit of a Zoom fatigue. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I guess, you know, almost like putting together that package is quite strong, actually. I like that where there will be one real touch point a week in terms of in real life, but there are these opportunities for, you know, interactive stuff online just to kind of cement that kind of bond between the team. But like you said, you know, lockdown one was all about Zoom and house party and real catch-up. So oh, I haven't seen this person for five years. We must do a Zoom call. Now it's just like, I'm going to bunker down in my house because I've spent all day on Zoom. So I could fully understand that. But again, you know, I guess these, it's almost like these hypotheses that you might have had or maybe even didn't have in the past. They're almost, this is like a real life testing uh, environment for you now, just to, to see obviously what's kind of working as well. But like I said, I think it sounds like your business is, is able to be strong enough to, to obviously come out of COVID in a good way, which is great. I think there will be that pent up demand. Now, we're moving through to this kind of part of the show where I like to ask the entrepreneurs that we, you know, that we welcome to the show, some of their top tips for other people who are thinking about starting their business. So I was wondering maybe if you could give some advice in terms of whether this is a solopreneur wanting to start a yoga business, whether it's a solo founder, tech founder, anybody who wants to build an audience from scratch, you know, how they would do it. I mean, we always talk about how it's difficult to sell a product if you don't have that audience. And we also don't want to go to market and just say, here you go, Facebook, here's, you know, £10,000, go and spend it all on adverts or whatever. If you were starting your audience today and you were starting to build it from scratch, you know, what would you do to kind of build up that kind of fan base? Um, I think <laughs> it might sound obvious, but start. I think that's already a lot of times a very big barrier that people think and plan and then plan a bit more and then find reasons why not to do something. Yeah. Just start. Don't overthink about the quality of your video. Don't think about, you know, what's going to be in the background, you know, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and then consistency, authenticity, uh, and being very clear of your message for your particular niche. Mm. Um, if, if I had to really pin down those two, um, and then as time goes, iterate depending on what the feedback from your audience is. Understand which audience are you actually building, who responds the best, tailor the message to them. And only then I think start really um, establishing your brand, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, I might be a bit, you know, <laughs> um, for the lack of the word, word um, focused on design but um, and biased, but design and branding um, should not be undervalued. I think that is still a common denominator when you scroll through your feed and you, you, you find something that's really pleasing. Um, but that shouldn't be your starting point. That shouldn't be your block in the very beginning. So if you bring value consistently, if you are authentic and you know your audience well enough to make sure that that message really resonates with them, and then you start yeah. presenting and building your quality uh, both visual branding and everything like, like that as time goes, they will really appreciate that and become even bigger fans and start talking and sharing your stuff even more. Yeah. And when you talk about value in terms of say brand and I guess content creation, obviously such a strong thing to put out to your audience, what kind of content do you find really gets that interaction? You know, is it newsletter content, social content? What, what for you is a, is, is a big thing, which obviously you feel gets good results. I don't think it matters. I think what matters is where you feel you are the best. Mm. So if you're not great at video, 
you know, maybe don't do video, maybe do a newsletter. Yeah. You know, if you're not good at writing, yeah, maybe do a podcast instead. You know, again, I'll come back to those double down on your strengths, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went through quite a few of those things, right? Being an immigrant, really being conscious about my language, my, you know, that being a barrier, it was really hard for me to go into video, right? Yeah. But through time, I got better and better and better. Now, um, you know, I started a newsletter this year. You know, I really want to improve my writing, you know, and yeah. it gives a completely different dynamic and go, I can go a lot more in depth um, and, and be a lot more concise in my messaging than I possibly could do through video. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, and then listen to your audience. If they respond better in written form than video form, just do that. I guess, yeah, it just doesn't, I don't think it matters. If you look at people that are successful, yeah. you know, some people are amazing bloggers and have millions of followers there. Same on YouTube, same in podcasts, same on, same on Instagram, right? It just depends what you're good at. Yeah. And I guess as well, you know, looking at it from the lens and the prism of a, a solo entrepreneur, uh, a solo founder, we're in the situation there's only so many things you can do with your day. So I guess you've got to double down on what you're good at because there's no point in spreading yourself too thinly that you're doing it. 10% shitty job across 10 platforms if you can maybe choose one or two and, and kind of go after those and again hopefully build that up as well so it's it obviously they're getting quality. yeah exactly exactly and, and that's a really good point that you just said you know i would definitely focus on two platforms at most yeah um making sure that it supports whatever your thing is obviously if you're very if your product is very visual making sure that that's you know that's instagram that's maybe youtube something like that maybe tiktok yeah. Uh, maybe it's, if, if it's something like consultancy or something that really you, you need to bring a lot of knowledge in, that's probably LinkedIn, that's probably Twitter, right? Yep. Let me ask you, so, you know, at Go Solo here, we discuss, um, you know, we, we talk in a kind of, kind of high concept way, if you will do, you know, we're talking about the unemployment opportunity maybe coming out of COVID where people can hopefully have a fresh start and create their own business. You know, we talk about kind of, you know, this whole thing about this, 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 wealth transfer happening right now between big business and small businesses you know obviously you know some of the big tech giants are really flying on all cylinders because covid's created that kind of experience you know in terms of you know they won because they have scale when it comes to businesses like apple plus uh, when it comes to businesses like peloton that are obviously zapping up you know high amounts of active consumer spending what do you think is going to set yourself apart in terms of coming up against these kind of big giants? You know, I know it's potentially a case of comparing oranges and apples, but in essence, say the consumer, you know, the customer only has a certain amount of cash to spend on, you know, uh, wellness and in health lifestyle. What, what's, what do you think is different about what you're offering that obviously, you know, those guys can't, and how do you get cut through when, you know, Peloton is offering, you know, adverts around the clock? As you said, like it's completely different offerings. Um, I think again, I'll come back to this overthinking. There's, if your product is good enough, there's there's enough audience for it, right? Um, there's a lot of new products coming out that you would never think of, and all of a sudden they have a lot of users and a lot of interest just because the product is amazing, and you didn't anticipate spending money on that, right? Yeah. You know, we we bring value where. You know, my, my, the big dream, right? Yeah, Imagine yeah. you travel anywhere in the world, whether it's a business trip, you know, whether you go to a festival, whatever it may be, and you just want to, you want to get a game in somewhere because you love the sport or you want to yeah. be go to yoga Pilates. All you need to do is have one app, nothing else. See yeah. what's around you, join and just do your stuff, right? How does that bring value to you? If yes, that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. It's all down, down to that very overused word right now, value, right? The same goes to organizer, right? If I make yeah. your life a lot easier, am I saving you time? Yes, right? You know, are, are you actually making more money from our platform than you're actually paying from, for the platform? Yes. Win-win, yeah. why would you not, right? Yeah. If you answer those questions and it all comes down to value and having a great experience from kind of the wide range, not only just from the product, but from customer service, from your yeah. marketing, from everything, Um there's an audience always and there's a customer always there for you. Yeah. And also like, you know, you don't even need to apologize to me, uh, Jonas, for using the word value. It's, it's pretty much one of my favorite ones, but it's a good North Star though, because I think everything relates to it. You know, I always try to, to work on that because, you know, 
in terms of content marketing, you know, we do this with Go Solo for Subkit. You know, are we putting stuff out there that's actually adding value to the marketplace? Are we adding value to the experience people? Are we adding value to the conversation which is going on there around business? And it's the same with you. There's no point in just going through the motions of actually doing things. We want to add value to people's lives. And hopefully you can, again, get that cut through where people can find out about your product. And actually, that kind of answers the next question, because I was going to ask you about what your ambitions are, obviously, for Orphe. And I like what you just said in terms of I should be able to, you know, be in town for a conference or I've got a night off or whatever. And I think I want to go and play five-a-side football or something with people. You know, do you, you know, like, like, like obviously you're, you're in the UK right now, but where's your next kind of ambition? Like, like, is it a case of getting the UK fully wrapped up and then doing some kind of branches out or are you letting it be organic? What's your kind of geographical imprint that you want over the next few years? Um, I, I really like, taking a step-by-step approach. Um, So we start with Manchester, then the North, then London, then UK. And then the next step would be something like Australia, which is kind of like a small barrier to entry Mm -hmm. in case in terms of, you know, language is the same, mentality similar, very active uh, culture. um, And sort of making sure that that's done. and then probably, you know, if we go to the US, it probably would be very specific cities as well. Um, because I think there's a, there's a bit of a risk when you start try to go and grab everything. You don't have that control to, to have that great customer service and customer mm-hmm. experience to get the feedback from a specific area. Um, that's, that's the way I approach it. But obviously, at, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, we do want to be global. Um, and the good thing about a product like ours, um, it's got a strong network effect, right? So if yeah. one team and one organizer really enjoys it, they will tell somebody else, they will tell somebody else. And each organizer brings about 20, 30 participants onto the app and all of a sudden we're growing, right? So yeah. it, it, you know, we'll see where the, basically the market will tell us where we need to go next as well. Yeah, I guess the beauty of what you just said in terms of the network effects is that, you know, even if you launch and say, you know, Australia, or, and then launch and say two US cities in the future, you know, you can put together a waiting list or whatever in a few more cities, you know, like, and actually have it customer led. You know, if somebody says, you know, I know a guy in Atlanta, you're like, well, Orphy's not there yet, but sign up here onto the waiting list. You can go pretty much where the market dictates if you have three, four, 5,000 people on that waiting list ready to be activated. So it doesn't have to, I guess, necessarily be like, hey, US, we're here. You know, there's a blimp or a Super Bowl halftime commercial. It's like kind of, it can be fairly organic in terms of that. And, and you know, what like- What we want so- to do is essentially making other cities envy that another city has Orphe, right? Yeah. And using that as a precedent of, look, this is what you could be having. Yeah, definitely. And I probably know the answer to this because of the kind of industry that you're in, but in terms of work-life balance, you know, we're, we're big fans of this here at Go Solo. For us, it's very, very important, obviously, that if somebody's building a business, they're not just working 100 hours a week and they're running around like a headless chicken going, shit, I feel super stressed out. So in your terms of you being an entrepreneur, what is it that you do to have a healthy work-life balance? Work on it. like honestly it's 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 treated as a project uh that's that's the way i do it um because it is very easy to fall into always working uh because it doesn't feel like work um but your body doesn't know that you know so um you have to really be purposeful in how you allocate your time and what you prioritize yeah so you know i went through the four hours uh, asleep each night and, and all of that. Um, and what happened was I wasn't productive anymore. Um, you know, it ruined my relationships, you know, it ruined my health and everything like that. So what I do now is I have a, a time, which is essentially from, from five till eight. You can't reach me, essentially. Yeah. Um, this is my family time. This is where I spend time with my wife, my kids, where I have yeah. dinner and all of that stuff. Um, I always make time to work out, whether it's in the morning or during lunchtime. If I yep. don't work out during lunchtime, I take a walk. Um, there's always something I'll put in, but it will be part of my daily to-do list yep. um, to do something outside of work. And there's going to there's gonna be a lot of instances where I will hate the fact that that time has come and I have to stop working, but yeah. I have to make myself do that. Because what will happen then 
I'll be healthy here. I'll be healthy physically. Um, and my productivity levels are just sky high. Um, and that's when I really feel like we reflect on the business and, and, and kind of our success as well. Great tips. You know, like I'm hoping to do a compilation of all of the, you know, podcast videos from this kind of particular question, you know, in, in, in the coming months, because I think having that work-life balance attitude is so important. You know, I think we're getting slightly more enlightened nowadays in terms of running a business. Okay. We're not potentially on the kind of China, the whole, a, uh, what is it? Not a, uh, what was it? is it 996 or something they work to i think is the is the big trend in china where people are working yeah. 9 a.m to 9 p.m six days yeah. a week or something and you're like crazy do you know what I mean like you know you, you would be burned out there but i think just making sure like we mentioned before it's a marathon and not a sprint is so important but building these things into your day you know i try and make sure i do that myself and i feel a million times better you just feel more in the zone you feel more fluid you can deal with anything that comes up you know, it is so important to any entrepreneurs out there who are potentially just thinking about, you know, slacking up on that kind of workout today or even going for that walk, that fresh air, you know, make sure you do it. It's so, so important, especially kind of, I think, fresh air in the morning, you know, getting out there and starting your day in that way is so important. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I would still add as well, uh, maybe as part of that is making time for yourself and your thoughts as well, whether that's through meditation whether that, that's through taking a walk, but not listening to anything and trying to listen into your mind. I think yeah. we're, we're so distracted by so many different things all the time that we forget to stop and really understand who we are, what, what are we doing? Why are we actually doing the things that we're doing? Is, and is this actually the right path? Yeah. Um, I found that a couple of years ago uh, when I started meditation, when I started really, again, working on that part, yeah. Um, that really helped me with the clarity as to where I want to go personally and with my business. Uh, and again, that helped make a lot of, a lot more right decisions uh, and a lot less failures than I did before. Yeah, I agree. Been meditating for many years and it is so good. You know, you have a few days that you missed it and, and you really come back to say, I really need to be doing this in my life. Are there any particular apps you use, YouTube channels, or are you literally just kind of go go alone, really, in terms of your meditation? Like, well, what's your kind um, of uh, sequence there? I started with Headspace, I think, like most people, because, again, you know, branding, ease of use, easy yeah. start, you know, really nice five-minute meditation, then go to 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. Um, now, uh, I'll be honest, I don't use anything because now it became... Um, just a part of the day that's time for myself. And yeah. sometimes I'll use it for meditation, which is purely to cleanse everything. Mm. I might use it for visualization and manifestation. Yeah. I might use it for planning or something like that. But it's just going to be purely me, nobody else. Don't distract me. It's me and my, and my mind. Yeah. And, and, and kind of being, um, I get content while doing that. Because I, I remember when I first started, it was really hard being, alone in the quiet with nothing else mm. and when i realized that it you know it, it really uh brought up how effed up my mind is because yeah. i'm actually seeking for the buzzing stimuli all the time yeah yeah it's true i mean what do they say it's what they call it, the unconscious monkey mind or something or whatever exactly. the say is that it's just jumping from one thought to the next and I think, you know, like, uh, you know, I've never been a big drinker in the week, you know, like, uh, you know, or at least especially not for the last say, seven or eight years. And when I say drinker alcohol here, but I've recently cut down quite a lot in terms of alcohol, um, just because I like to keep a clear head. You know, for me, it's very important to try and stay focused. And I've, again, I've been trying to, as opposed to not, not doing it out of purpose, but in terms of, you know, numbing the mind. I've really been finding it useful to actually have thoughts settling in and actually having time to process that. You know, whereas in the old days, you might be like, oh, it's been a really tough day. I'll have a couple of beers or something like that. I think sometimes now, if it is, having that time to actually sit with your thoughts and process them is actually so healthy. And I find that's really, really useful. It means that you're not just numbing stuff and coming out the other end. You know, it could help Jonas uh, from, from me leaving WeWork where it was free beer on the taps as well. <laughs> you know, where that kind of cut down has happened. But I well, think I see, is... when, you, when you remember when I first came in the WeWork, I immediately told you that I don't give a crap about the beers, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. the other things that are important. And, and to your point, like that's, that's why I started my newsletter this year is exactly for that. You know, I could write, it's almost like a diary in a way where yeah. you actually sit there 
with those thoughts, with whatever happened, you reflect, you analyze, um, and you try to understand the world and yourself and kind of putting it in a, in, in a written form yeah. um, actually really imprints it in your mind as well. Definitely, man. I think it is so important. And again, you know, we all want to be at some kind of optimum level. You know, we don't want to be like robots. We don't want to just be like, right, no fun or whatever. But I think there's got to be a point where we can process these emotions, whatever our brain's trying to tell us from all the millions of thoughts we're having a day. There's some reason for that. And then hopefully, again, if we can process this and understand it, then we can make change each day to, to obviously improve not only our business lives, but also our personal lives as well. So, You'll be happy to know, Jonas, we're getting to our rapid fire round now, which is uh, famous already after a few shows of Go, Go Solo show. Right. Uh, and it's uh, it doesn't have to be as rapid, rapid fire, but then don't feel like you have to, you know, spend yeah. hours on obviously kind of each question as well. So I'm going to hit you up with some kind of short and to the point questions. So um, in your own words, who are your favorite entrepreneurs and why? Um. There's quite a few. Um, the first one that comes to my mind is a guy called Tom Bilyeu. Okay. Um, the reason I like him, I don't know if you know him. Um, no, he's, no. Got, he's got a somewhat similar story to mine where not a purebred entrepreneur, not born from that, found a solution just purely to help his family and he just bashed it. Um, and he's got a really good mindset. Um, obviously, I... I like Gary Vaynerchuk a lot. Uh, you know, obviously, again, he blew up a lot, but he, I like him because he, he was the one online mentor, I guess, that I had <laughs> when I just started out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then there's, yeah, there's, there's also, I'll, I'll probably look back at somebody like um, uh, Kobe Bryant. You know, um, a lot of people see him as a basketball player. He's an amazing entrepreneur. Uh, same yeah. goes with somebody like LeBron James. You know, basketball is my sport. I always look for role models there. Um, so they're, they're really good people as well. But again, anybody that does things the right way, um, I'll, I'll, I keep discovering entrepreneurs like that. Um, and, and I just, yeah, try to pick things that I can reverse engineer and put in my life. That sounds good to me. You know, I always like kind of having a broad spectrum of, uh, you know, favorite entrepreneurs on the show as well. And again, we'll be cutting these out and adding them to our blog as well. So, you know, all suggestions are most welcome. Just while we're talking basketball, I read a, a quote recently with Shaquille O'Neal, you know, the, the Shaq back in the day. And he was basically saying about how, um, you know, once he's been an investor for many years, you know, you, you say Kobe was an investor as well. But actually he said that once he started realizing the investments that he would make, once he realized how much of an impact they could have in people's lives, that was when he was starting to make really serious investments, you know, 5Xs, 7Xs, 10Xs and beyond. Yeah. He said when he started getting into investing, it was more just following the herd. Now he does a lot more analysis in terms of, is this thing I'm investing in like to make a major impact on people's lives? If it is as a brand leader, a market leader, whatever, that he invests in, it's kind of trans, you know, trans, uh, translated and transferred his investment experience to something completely different so it's uh, i thought I thought you might appreciate the basketball reference it's the only one i have that isn't from the 1990s chicago bulls era jonas <laughs> so um who's your most inspiring person in life the most inspiring person in my life um on a daily basis it will have to be my wife um just because no matter how hard my day was or how good my day was or whatever it may be uh i'll come back home and i'll have brilliant conversations with her and she'll motivate me every single day and inspire me for the next day um but again you know on the other side of the things uh, i'll probably still come back to uh kobe bryant um just because of his mentality and his approach yeah um you know that was somebody that I really followed growing up and, and kind of adapted a lot of his uh, mentality into, in, into my life as well. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not really following that many people. I'm not really looking for that many people it's just because I, I, I feel like everybody has their own journey. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, as egotistical as that might sound, I'm just focusing on myself and what makes me happy. Right. And so yeah. there's no right or wrong. Uh, so they had their path. I'm having mine. There are absolutely no right or wrongs with our rapid fire round. You'd be pleased to know. So, you know, say whatever comes from the heart and from your mind as well. Um, your favorite business books and online business resources. Um, 
obviously we don't need to kind of go into building your own library, but you know, what are some which really have stood out in your journey and you think would potentially help other solopreneurs and solo founders? Um, so obviously there's, there's, there's a lot, um, but if I had to pin down the ones that are kind of, I guess, impacted me the most, uh, would probably Ray Dalio's principles, mm. um, which really taught me, you know, how to, um, make the right decisions, how to deal with your people, how to make sure that, uh, everybody's on the same page and, and all that yeah. brilliant stuff. Um, Chris Voss's never split the difference. Um, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you're always in negotiations with everybody. Um, and I think just as a person on a daily basis, you're always, you're always negotiating on some level. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, that book really kind of brought up a lot of really nice tips and tricks. Um, and, and, and also kind of, yeah, uh, allows you to understand how to communicate with some people. Um, and then Peter Thiel's Zero to One, uh, I think is a startup book that everybody has to read, um, which is just a kind of no bullshit approach to what startups are and what yeah. it actually takes uh, to, build, to build the right startup. Yep. Brilliant. You know, I'll take those. Going. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'll take those three today when we do a follow-up call to see where you are in the future. I think this could be good, but look, I think that's what we want is to, you know, ultimately build the very best kind of library for our, you know, solopreneurs and solo founders. We want to have, you know, a hundred links on that in the coming kind of, you know, six, 12, 18 months and say, look, if you had to start today, here are the ones which you should be reading from day one. And you know, here's some of the best bits maybe from them. So they're three very solid books. I've read a couple of them. So yeah, yeah, very cool, man. Um, in your business, obviously I know you're UX, you are, you're a designer. What would you think if you did on a daily basis would have the most impact for your business? And this maybe is yourself or your team. If you said, right, you know, we're, we're, we're cooking on gas, we're going places now. What would be one thing you probably do to speed up the success of your business? Educate myself and educate my team. Uh, probably would be the number one thing. Um, whether, it, whether it's this product or any other product, just educating yourself on the different industries. Um, and again, that could be books, conferences, webinars, whatever. Um, I think if you're able to be ahead and understand other people's journeys and reverse engineer those and get insights from other people, um, I think that's just going to be tremendously beneficial. And as somebody that has a lot of day-to-day -day distractions and day-to-day -day tasks, yeah. um, again, that's something I'm really working on to read more books, to be more purposeful. You know, I got rid of my TV just so I can replace it with reading and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think if I had more time of that and it would be kind of something I can do on a daily is just every form of education. Yeah. And I guess I probably want to start the next question with a bit of a, uh, you know, asterisk or whatever, you know, and just basically say, you know, we know that every experience as an entrepreneur is a good experience, no matter even if it feels bad at the time, because you've gone through it and it's helped you on the journey, learn in some way. But obviously putting that caveat there, you know, if there was one thing that you could do differently that you've done in your entrepreneurial journey, uh, what would that be and why? in the overall journey i'd say in the overall kind of you know macro journey let's call it that you know like if there was something that stands out and you go god i really wish i hadn't done that or actually it was something to do with the product or the way you've acted you know um it's it's really hard because so so my mindset is always don't regret anything yeah. because you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't do what you did yeah. Um, so it's very hard for me to answer that question, um, you know, because that would lead to I'm regretting my, my decision of some sort, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you always can do something better. Um, so I guess, I guess my answer would be that whatever you did before, it led to where you are. Understand that you will be better the next time. Hmm. Um, so and, and, and just carry on. Um, I'd probably, even if I could, I probably wouldn't want to pick out something that I, I feel I might have done badly. Yeah, because I really enjoy where I am today and where the business is today. 
This is cool, man. Look, okay? uh, I, I think there's a future in politics, whether here or Lithuania or ever in the future here. But look, I mean, I don't want that to ruin your Zen vibe as well. So I don't want you to be just like, uh, you know, I, I have to come up with something or whatever. But I, I think, yeah, it, it, it's important maybe to at least kind of put those processes in place to to actually feel like, look, it's just part of the journey. You know, like you're not going to get it right. I think I read this quote and it was kind of like, you know, the most successful people in life are people who make decisions and it's you know it's the people who make loads of decisions are usually the most successful ones and you're going to make some bad decisions and you're going to make some great decisions so your job is to make more good decisions than bad decisions so i think you know doing that is just probably having that emotional intelligence that makes you say do you know what i'm not going to get it right every time but maybe not kind of you know dwelling on the past and saying right oh shit i probably could have done that certainly better <laughs> but yeah. you know next time there will be an opportunity as long as it yeah, obviously but- hasn't completely crushed your business <laughs> But I guess to give you some sort of like a proper uh, answer uh, for the sake of obviously your podcast, um, I could probably pin down, uh, uh, for example, something like um, product testing, right? Um, I think one thing that we've done is we, we, for example, roll out a feature that um, is maybe not robust, but we want to roll it out, see what people think of it. Um, and then understand whether that's something you want to carry on further doing and stuff like that. However, being a small team and an early stage startup, still creating new features, even if they're just very high level, um, takes time um, and and, and takes a lot of, you know, resources. Um, So I probably, one thing that we're now changing is if there's a new feature that we want to do, it's a napkin. It's a a wireframe. um, And we present it that way rather than rolling out a, a basic version of a feature. Um, and if it's not working, scrap it. Um, just because at, uh, I guess, the stage where we add, if you're Airbnb, then I think, uh, you know, the, the answer is different. Yeah, of course. And I'm interested to know, um, you know, it, it probably leads into this, but we always ask our entrepreneurs who join us on this show, if they have any funny anecdotes, which have actually happened to them in, in business. Um, you know, what, what's kind of come up in your past where, you know, it's maybe something in the world of entrepreneurship that might have been fairly devastating at the time, but actually is when you look back on it, it can be quite funny. Or there was a point when you just go, how did that possibly happen? Um, do you have any funny anecdotes in terms of in the, in the world of entrepreneurship that people can relate to just to keep them on track and smiling if they're having a bad day? I mean, I guess they're funny now. Um yeah. There's again the nature of a startup is you're always you're always trying to figure out ways of doing things that maybe you're not able to do, and that becomes a bit funny. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the that's the angle I would take. And an example I can give you is for um, when we first introduced payments um, uh, like a year ago or something like that. Um, the uh, the users asked us, "Oh, can we do refunds?" Yeah. We definitely couldn't, but we said that we could yeah. uh, just so we can keep them and have a good experience. So yeah. every single time somebody would press a button refund, we, all we would get is a, a, a message on Slack that somebody requested a refund and we would just send that money from our bank account directly to whoever <laughs> <laughs> um, to replicate a refund. And to this day, nobody knows that that was the way we did it. Yeah. Um, and obviously at the time, there was, there was, I remember there was a couple of days where a lot of people, especially um, when COVID hit, everybody was refunding. Yeah. And my 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 whole day and night was just sending money to random bank accounts from my bank yeah, account. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so at that time it was quite stressful. Um, yeah. But yeah, in, in hindsight, that's that's just one of many instances where a startup has to be really adapted to whatever's going on. You do. I mean, it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it fake it till you make it, but it's almost you hacking your product and saying, look, it's not quite there yet, but we'll find a way to sort out one kind of problem. So that works for me. I hope that should give inspiration to other people as well, that, you know, they, they need to find a way, whatever that way is to keep their customers happy and, and again, keep their business going in the right direction. Um, if I was to ask you, Jonas, probably, whether you put it this two ways, you could say what what this means to you now and what this potentially means to you in the future, but what does success ultimately mean to you as an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a biggie, isn't it? 
Uh, <laughs> this is um, our kind of uh, Oprah moment or whatever you'd call it, you know. <laughs> I think, so one thing I will say, um, which I think, I feel like a lot of people in business and entrepreneurship are afraid to say is um, the money aspect of it, right? Yes, you know, being able to either, uh, you know, cash out or be profitable enough to, to have the freedom and, and kind of the lifestyle that I envision yeah. um, definitely will be a, a success factor. But saying that, you know, that's not the, the motivator because I, I truly believe that the monetary side of things is a, essentially like a, like a side effect of you bringing enough value to the market, right? Mm. Um, and because my mission is to get more people active and healthy and break the barrier to sport participation, you know, seeing people be, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was in a basketball session uh, just before COVID and just, it's the small thing, seeing a person that I've not seen before asking, how did you find the session and say, oh, uh, somebody's told me that there's this thing or fiacta and I just found it on there those are the moments I, I work for, right? Yeah. That made me super happy, super happy. And the more stories like that, the more moments like that, the more yeah. successful I will feel, right? And the yeah. more the product will be successful, et cetera, and everything then just follows that, right? Um, so I would say just that, you know, if I, if I can get more people active, healthy, and then just remove the barriers that I encountered when I just, just you know, first started, then yeah, definitely success. This is cool because actually we've 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 interviewed so many people now already, and actually quite a few have said you know, nobody's actually gone straight in and gone. Okay, the cash is a lovely thing. We all wish we could have a solid exit, whatever, whatever, whatever. But nobody's gone in there and gone. It's all about the cash. Somebody gave me an offer tomorrow, I'd be out of here. You know, every, you know, everybody's got this kind of driving mission which is moving them on, which which I think again is so important, really, because you have to really be in it. You can't just be thinking like oh, great, in two years' time, I'll hopefully exit, or in three years' time, I'll hopefully exit. There's got to be something more, I guess, that kind of gets you out of bed and motivates you. Is that true? Absolutely, because people are smart enough to see through that, yeah. right? Um, if I won a lottery tomorrow of like 10 million, mm. or if I got 10 million because my product succeeded, you know, guess which one I would enjoy more? Yeah, you know, uh, and, and, and I think, I think that's, that, that's the way the world works, right? You bring value and you get something back for it. Yeah. Um, and that your expectation shouldn't be, I want this particular thing back. It should be purely whatever you feel, that's what it is. If it's not enough for me, that means I need to do a better job to give more value to you. Yeah. Um, and that's what success and happiness is. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very, very cool. If you were going to give some advice to somebody who was thinking about taking the plunge and starting their own business tomorrow, what advice would you give them just to, you know, a fairly high level? Might be contradicting a bit. <laughs> we like contrarians on this show, so please do feel free to uh, contradict your last hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, um, don't overthink it and just start. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Um, because again, I have many friends that are really struggling with just starting. Yeah. They do all the planning and strategizing, but they just don't start. So just start it. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't personally suggest, you know, throwing everything out the window and just doing something, right? Yeah. Test the waters, you know, see whether that's actually right for you. See whether yeah. there's a market for you and take gradual steps because the, 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 the you know, it's, entrepreneurship is not for everybody mm. um i think it's popularized a bit too much right now uh and i i think we're seeing that in kind of depression rates and all that um solely because people are not prepared for what it actually takes and if you take gradual steps you get a bit of a taste to taste to taste and you can actually get make better decisions along the way um so keep your nine to five job work on your side hustle see how you feel you know, see if that's the right move for you to actually go full-time to your, you know, from your nine to five to your side hustle and just take it from there. But the very, very first thing is don't overthink it and just start. Yeah, cool. I guess like, like you said, stick to side hustle, build up over the time, do your research, work on that mini MVP. That's, that's minimal viable product for anybody out there who isn't sure. And just really try and get something to market, I guess, 
in its initial embryo stage, see if there's a demand for it, and then, you know, try and scale that up over time if it works out. Yeah. And to piggyback on what we talked before, don't do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. Very, very cool. Right. So we're almost out of time. So Jonas, uh, it's been great to have you here. I just uh, want to maybe ask you a couple more quick questions. The first one is, tell us maybe about a really cool feature that you're excited about coming up uh, on Orphea in, in the very near future. Unless obviously it's going to uh, um, stop your, you know, uh, your competitors from stealing it. <laughs> Hey, if I would be scared of that, then uh, I shouldn't be in this business anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot I'm excited about, honestly. Um, The the, the most recent thing that probably will come out is uh, branded accounts, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think I mentioned in the beginning, where uh, if you're a a team, uh, you can have basically an an app within an app uh, to have everything branded like yours, your colors, your your fonts, your logos, everything like that. I think that will bring a really new dynamic to it. Um, and then later on in the year, I'm really excited about gamifying it, right? To really starting to reward people for being active. You know, yeah. if you join a session three, you know, weeks in a row, you get some sort of reward. Um, you know, we were looking at different partnerships that you could give you rewards from different avenues and stuff like that. But just really get people engaged and excited that they're being active and then being rewarded for that. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I look forward to seeing both those features come on the product soon. So if you could just remind us, uh, Jonas, where people can get in touch with you online, uh, tell us what website and social accounts. Um, the best place probably would just be to go to my personal website, which is just jonasorbanas.com. Yeah. Um, so full name. Um, and I'm mostly active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah. Um, I don't really do Twitter. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, started my newsletter, uh, which is a, a, a bi-weekly newsletter where I cover uh, startups, health, and of course, a bit of basketball. Yeah, of course. And I, uh, I did have a read of it earlier on as well. It's very good as well. I like the kind of eclectic nature of it as well, which is cool. So I'm going to link to those uh, resources, obviously, in our, in our YouTube and obviously some of our newsletter stuff as well. And um, it only actually has me to remain to say today is thank you, Jonas, for joining our show. I really appreciate you being on the Go Solo show today. And good luck, obviously, in your own entrepreneurial journey. Thank you, Johnny. Same to you. And uh, have an amazing day, week and year. Yeah, will do. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning.